0: Part two. So, I'm going to give us our anchor verse uh, that has been kind of housing us in this series, and then we're going to dig into uh, the second installment of Sweet Emotion. Second Corinthians chapter 4, 16 through 18 has been the verse that has anchored this How to Survive a Pandemic series, and it says this, Therefore, we do not give up. Come on, that's a good spot. Truth right there. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. Come on, how many of you feel like that right now? Right, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So that verse has really been holding us in this series, How to Survive a Pandemic. We've been looking at this, these light and momentary afflictions, hardship, frustration in In life. And so today, as we continue on in this collection of talks, I want to speak to us from the subject, Sweet Emotion Part Two, as we continue to look at how our emotions impact our lives and faith in moments of hardship. Will you pray with me just one more time this morning? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful. Give us grace right now. And I pray in this moment that we would hear your voice, not my voice. let it be your words that encourage us and strengthen us in this moment. And So I pray right now, above all else, that you would make us new, transform us from the inside out. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and everybody shouted amen and amen. And by the way, if you're online, let us know where you're watching from. We'd love to be able to shout you out. It is so good to have you here uh, this weekend. Hey, uh, last week I talked about my adult temper tantrum if you caught last week's message. If not, I wanna just encourage you to get on to our YouTube page. You can find the message there. Uh, show of hands whether you're in the house or online today. How many of you have thrown an adult per tantrum lately? Come on, somebody, don't lie. The rest of you who are not raising your hands, you are lying. Um, but uh, I threw an adult temper tantrum the other day and it was full on glorious, should have been in a diaper, adult temper tantrum. And uh, it equaled what my kids are capable of doing and probably even more so because I have other words to use that my, my kids don't. And so uh, I, it was in this moment the other day as I was throwing this temper tantrum that I realized, man, that there's something going on in me that I wasn't having the ability to deal with. And, and if you remember last week as we talked about this, we are emotional people right? We all have emotions, and we talk about anger, and and fear, and attraction, and joy, and and the list goes on, and on, and on, and on. And the problem with many Christ followers, the problem with many humans, is that we don't know how to deal with our emotions appropriately. So that's what we started to look at last week. We gave us two things to anchor, two truths last week, and that we needed to anchor, and there's five total. We're going to look at the final three Today, And I want to take us to to the scripture that we are looking at in Psalm 4, 1 through 5. This is David writing, King David, and he helps us understand our emotions in Psalm 4, 1 through 5. He says, this answer me when I call, God who vindicates me. You freed me from affliction, be gracious to me and hear my prayer. So you can tell that David's in an emotional place. How long, exalted ones, will my honor be insulted? So now he's telling us that he's been insulted. Now he's telling us that he feels like something is being done to him as well. How long will you love what is worthless and pursue a lie? Know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Now here's the, here's the main part of, of David's psalm. He says this, be angry, but do not sin. Reflect in your heart while on your bed and be silent. Offer sacrifices in righteousness and trust in the Lord. And so the first two thoughts that we gave last week, just to kind of do a little bit of a recap so we understand where we're going, the first one was this, is that we need to lean into the emotion of our humanity. So we discovered last week, we looked at it last week, that, that David's saying, listen, be angry, right? We have to have the emotions, and I think many times what we do is we believe that we, as Christ followers especially, shouldn't be people of emotion, that we should be emotionless, and the problem with that is is that that will never happen. Why? Because we're emotional people. He says, so I want you to lean into your humanity. Be angry, but the second truth we discovered last week is that we don't need to feed the bears. We talked about what it looks like where he says, be angry, but don't sin. We don't need to sin in that emotion. In other words, we don't need to feed the bears. We don't need to give these animals, known as our emotions, the food necessary to fuel them that we can actually deal with them and we can work with them and we can process through them. Well, I'm gonna help us a little bit more today figure out how to do that. So here's the third truth. If you're taking notes online today or in the house, here's the third truth that we need to understand that David shows us in Psalm 4 right here. He says, examine the inner workings of our hearts. We need to examine the inner workings of our hearts. Watch what he says. He says, reflect in your heart while on your bed and be silent. Uh Uh-oh, for a lot of us, that be silent part is really difficult, right? We don't wanna be silent, we wanna be loud, we wanna run our mouths, we wanna, we wanna say everything that we wanna say through our emotions. Come on, somebody, right? He says, examine the inner workings of a heart. I wanna offer us this truth today. Examination is very different from introspection, Examination is very different from introspection. Introspection tends to be birthed out of a selfish and self-focused motives where examination is specific in its application and that is to find out that which is out of place and needing correction in our hearts. See, for a lot of us, we think, oh, I'm gonna just be introspective and so I have my emotions in check. Uh Uh-uh, I have met many introspective people that do not have their emotions in check. Right? And so I need us to understand that examination is very different than than introspection, and that's why David says, Reflect in your heart, reflect while on your bed and be silent. Psalm 26, two through three says this, Test me, Lord, and try me. Watch what he says, Examine my heart and my mind, for your faithful love guides me, and I will live by your truth. Notice that he says that his life will be lived by God's truth, not his truth. And how many of you would agree with me right now in this moment, our truth tends to be our emotions. If I'm angry, that's my truth. If I'm joy-filled, that's my truth. And whatever the emotion is that I'm feeling, that tends to be my truth. And because it's my truth, I then live out of it. But how many of you know that breaks down really quick? Because if I live out of my emotions, we discovered this last week, that every emotion, every emotion has a dark side. Psalm 139, 23 through 24, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any, watch this. This'll mess up 2020. See if there is any offensive way in me. How many of you would agree with me that right? We're trying to look for the offensive way in everyone else. He says, See if there's an offensive way in me. Lead me in ever in the everlasting way. So David right here, he's, he's offering his emotional database to God to say, hey, listen, God, I am submitting myself to you. And it doesn't matter what's going on around me. It doesn't matter what things are being said around me. It doesn't matter what's being done to me. Would you search me and see if there's any offensive way in me? This is massive in a moment of hardship, isn't it? I think one of the greatest reasons that we don't change is because we're looking at the offensive ways in everybody else instead of the offensive ways in us. We're so busy trying to find the offense in everything else and everybody else instead of going like, is there something in me? For many of us, we've traded examinations for introspection and we've gotten lost in ourselves rather than working on ourselves and giving God the space to work on what needs to be worked on. See, when it comes to our emotions, our hearts have to be looked at and examined. Come on, church. (laughs) They have to be looked at and examined. This is what Jesus tells us, Matthew chapter 15, 18 through 20, watch what it says. For from the heart, watch what comes from the heart. right, I just want us to be very, very clear about this. What comes from the heart, Jesus tells us, evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, Sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimony, slander. These are the things that defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile a person. How many of you agree with me? That's some crazy stuff that comes from our hearts. I had somebody, somebody say to me the other day, you know my heart, and I'm like, I don't wanna know your heart. <laughs> but here's the truth, and I thought about it after I made that statement in my head, is that many times we don't wanna know our own hearts either. The reason we go from introspection instead of examination of our hearts is because many times we're afraid of what we'll find. We're afraid of what we'll find in there because there's some, there's some monsters in the heart. There's some stuff down there that we just don't want to look at. Come on, am I talking to anybody today? There's some things inside of us that, that are left better untouched. They are, they are left in places in space where we're like, I just don't need light shown on that. I don't want to face that thing. And so the reason that many of us don't transform and change is because, well, we're afraid to examine the heart. We're afraid to examine the heart. Jesus is dealing with the content of our hearts, that which in so many moments produces our emotion. And here's the crazy thing, in understanding this, and I still am blown away by this, we will trust our emotions over everything and lift them up to the highest seat of authority in our lives. Come on online, you ever notice that? We have a tendency to lift our emotions to the highest seat of our authority when Jesus told us they're not to be trusted. I just feel this way so I'm gonna go with it. I feel this way so I'm gonna go with it. I feel this way so I'm gonna go with it, right? And we trust our emotions, we trust what our heart produces over Jesus and Jesus is trying to tell us, listen, don't trust what's on the inside because our, what is on the inside can get dangerous quick. I wanna encourage us with this truth, listen to this. Our hearts are what develop the motives of our emotions. Our hearts are what develop the motives of our emotions. Yes, our emotions have motives. They have a reason behind them and they are seeking what it is that they want. And we have to remember where things come from and if we're going to deal with our emotions properly, we have to examine the inner workings of our hearts. Why? Because, well, our emotions have motives and the motives come from our heart. My anger... David's saying it. Paul said it. He says, listen, be angry, but don't sin. What's he trying to curb? He's trying to to curb the motive of the anger because the anger many times, come on, let's be serious about it. The anger many times wants us to do some things about it. Right? Have you ever been so angry before? You're like, I just need to do something about this. So we hop onto Facebook and annihilate people. (laughs) Our joy our attraction, our desire, all of these things inside of us, inside of our hearts, they drive the motives of our emotions. So we have to remember where things come from. If we're gonna deal with moments of hardship, light and momentary affliction, we've got to make sure that we are examining our hearts, the inner workings of our hearts. Here's the the fourth truth that we need to grab a hold of today, and I love this one. Spiritual patterns create personal breakthrough. Spiritual patterns create personal breakthrough. Psalm 4, verse 5, watch what he says. Offer sacrifices in righteousness. See, many times we just, we just move past a piece of scripture because we don't understand how to grapple with it and, and some of the principles behind it. So David says, listen, all of this stuff, be angry, don't sin it. We talked some, some of these things the past couple of weeks now and then he says, offer sacrifices in, in righteousness and one of the greatest issues that we face when it comes to our emotions is the overall immediacy of them and the lack of spiritual disciplines employed in our lives to counter the flesh and the emotions that we're having. How many of you would agree with me that our emotions, they come on quick and they come on hot? Right? Boom, all of a sudden, I'm mad. Have you ever had an emotion before and then when you had it, you're like, how did that even get here? (laughs) Come on, I got one truth seeker in here. (laughs) What do I mean by this? Our emotions are typically immediate in nature. They come on many times without warning or even without cause. Have you ever been scared by your emotions? Have you ever thought something? Can we just be truthful today? Have you ever thought, have you ever had a thought go through your head that was based on an emotion and you're like, where did that come from? You're like, whoa, uh uh-uh. Right, like. (laughs) They're connected, check this out, to patterns of thought, situations, people, and in the case of our current reality, hardship and affliction. Many times, our emotions are popping up because of things that we've been sitting in for a long time. The hardship that we're all going through right now, how to survive a pandemic, COVID, and all the other stuff that we're going through right now, as much as we try not to talk about it anymore and we wanna find a semblance of normal and all these different things, did you know that you have emotions that are in you now that you may not even know are there until something presses against it? And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Why? Because they're, they're connected to different things, right? You walk past that, that person in the, in, in the grocery store, a person that you don't like, and all of a sudden an emotion comes up. And you're like, I thought I dealt with this. No, you didn't deal with it, you were just distant from it. <laughs> we'll talk about that one in a minute. So we've gotta deal with this, and spiritual patterns create personal breakthrough. The swath of emotion that you and I can feel at any given moment is amazing, and at the same time, disproportionately overwhelming. No wonder we tend to make rash, (laughs) come on, and immediate decisions when the emotion comes on. That's why we yell straight away when we're angry for the demonstrative folks. Can I just say this? Just because you're introverted and more quiet doesn't make your emotion any more or less better or worse than somebody who yells. Come on. So sometimes we go, well, I don't yell. I've heard this so many times, especially in like counseling sessions. Well, I, we don't yell, that's fine, but you hope they drive off a cliff. <laughs> you just didn't say it. Come on somebody, <laughs> right? So let's just be very real about this. Outbursts of emotion, right? They're different strokes for different folks, right? I'm more extroverted. My house is demonstrative. Everybody in my home talks and lets you know what their feelings are. Every person, even my three-year-old. The other, the other night, we were trying to get them all into bed. This is how, this is how weird my home, my home is. And by the way, like my home is talk, 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 talk all the time. It, like, no joke, we are all verbal processors and loud and everything like that. So, like, it's... It, Right. Um, here's the one truth that we've recognized about it: there, there's no lumps underneath our rug. Everyone will know what everyone's thinking. <laughs> that can be bad sometimes. <laughs> So anyways, we're trying to put the kids to bed and, and Justice and Shiloh were, were actually complying in this moment, we're like, okay guys, it's time for bed, we wanna get you down early, everybody's been just a bit nutty today and so we're moving them along and they're going downstairs to get ready and Eliana, our three-year-old, standing by the edge of the couch, and I remember it, and she's, she's the cutest little girl and she's got her white blonde hair and she's uh, just, just cute right now, right? But she's got this attitude like her mom. Shout out to my wife if you're watching, hey! Um, so... She's got this like little fire about her. And so, so we go, um, Eliana, you need to turn off the TV and it's time to go to bed. We need, we start moving things along and uh, we're trying to process it, they're going back and forth on it and she's kind of not listening. And then we go, Eliana, it's time to go to bed. And she folds her arms. She goes, no, it's time to watch TV. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> Somebody's about to be duct taped, right? Like, <laughs> They're like, how do you get your kids to go to sleep? Gaffer tape. <laughs> I wanna take us to a moment where we see King David, author of this psalm that we've been studying, as he faces some of his emotions head on and deals with them. So we're gonna get practical really quick. Big, big, big piece of scripture. We all go with that today? 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses one through 11. I want you to see this. Now, let's just back up for a second, pause, get some context Uh, We're gonna be introduced to this guy named Saul. He's king at the time, and then we know David, King David. David was underneath him. God was bringing him into power by way of anointing. Saul hated David at this point, was trying to kill him, constantly pursuing him. He felt threatened uh, by David because David was eventually gonna be taking the throne by way of God's decree, right? So now enter in this moment with all of this animosity, all of this frustration. Watch what happens. So when Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the wilderness near En Gedi. He was in a cave with a bunch of his friends, all right? So Saul took, watch this, 3,000 of Israel's fit young men and went to look for David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. When Saul came to the sheep pens along the road, a cave was there, and he went in to relieve himself. That is the Bible's way of saying pee. Just putting that out there. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave, so they said to him, you need to get this picture. The reason I say that is not to be funny, but I want you to get this picture. Saul's in there in one of the most compromised positions you can be in, right? He's going to the bathroom. Look, this is the day that the Lord has told you about. This is his men, David's men, talking to him. I will hand your enemy over to you so you can do to him whatever you desire. Then David got up and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Now, there's a lot of details in here that don't get mentioned, we go from Saul relieving to himself, to David's men telling him this is the day that the Lord has made, you can do whatever you want to Saul, to now David cutting Saul's robe. Can we just pause for a second for a little just literary joy and go, how did David get to Saul's robe? And how awkward of a position would that be if you're David cutting Saul's robe while he's relieving himself? I just wanna let us all know that if you were in the building right now in the men's urinal trying to cut somebody's robe off, it's gonna get weird (laughs) crick. All the dudes know what I'm talking about. We have code not even to talk to each other. Verse five, afterward, watch this, afterward David's conscience bothered him. Because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe and he said to his men, as the Lord is my witness, I would never do such a thing to my Lord. The Lord's anointed. I will never lift my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. And with these words, David persuaded his men and he did not let them rise up against Saul. Yes, hearing me today, watch what happens. Then Saul left the cave and went on his way, and after that, David got up, went out of the cave, and called to Saul. I want you to get that. So Saul's leaving with his 3,000 men. David runs out and yells to Saul. Saul, the guy who's trying to kill David. Saul, the guy who brought 3,000 men to decimate him. He calls out to me. he says, Saul, stop! And when Saul looked behind him, David knelt low, with his face to the ground, and he paid homage. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of people who say, look, David intends to harm you? You can see with your own eyes that the Lord handed you over to me today in the cave. Someone advised me to kill you, but I took pity on you and said, I will not lift my hand against my Lord since he is the Lord's anointed. Look, my father, look at the corner of your robe in my hand, for I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. Recognize that I've committed no crime or rebellion. I haven't sinned against you even though you are hunting me down to take my life. Let's just pause there for a moment and realize that David had everything in front of him to justify his behavior of taking Saul's life. I mean, wouldn't you and I? The dude's trying to kill David. Here's your moment. His men, his friends, his homies are going, come on, take his life right now. End this thing right now. And he's been insulted and he's been put down and his life is presumably gonna be taken at any single moment you would think this is David's chance. He's angry, he's looking for justification, he's looking for vindication, he's looking for any one thing and yet he doesn't take it. Psalm 142 Can we connect the Bible today? This is really cool stuff. Psalm 142, verses one through seven, is a psalm that David would write in this very cave. Speaking of this very moment, watch what he says. I cry aloud to the Lord. I plead aloud to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. I reveal my trouble to him. And although my spirit is weak within me, you know my way. Along this path I travel, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see no one stands up for me. There is no refuge for me. No one cares about me. Come on, have you ever talked this way before? (laughs) I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my shelter, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I'm very weak. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Free me from prison so that I can praise your name. The righteous will gather around me because you deal generously with me. So if we go back to the to the idea that we're trying to dial into, I want us to take all of that content now, all of that truth that we just read. This is what David does. He creates and created spiritual patterns for personal breakthrough. Why was David able to refrain from killing Saul? Well, here's the first reason. His emotions went up. David's allegiance to God was greater than the appeasement of his emotions. Oh, I need to say that one more time. David's allegiance to God was greater than the appeasement of his emotions. In other words, David cared more about his relationship with God in this moment than he did at appeasing his emotion. And then instead of feeding the bear, he said, no, 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 I'm going to worship my God. Instead of fueling my emotions by killing Saul and becoming a vengeful, crazy person, I'm going to rather look up and give God my glory, give God my worship, give God everything that he needs. Why? Because David's allegiance was to God greater than the appeasement of his emotions. And my concern with the world that we are living in Now is we care more about appeasing our emotions than we do worshiping God about it. David went up with his emotions. Yet for many of us, our first port of call is to send out our emotions. Come on. This takes the form of gossip, complaint, the creation of sides, animosity, bad attitudes, aggressive behaviors, and a general demeanor of dissatisfaction. I call it the stank (laughs) face. See, when we do this, our emotions are fed. We talked about that last week. And as we feed them, they strengthen, and they can overwhelm us. Here's, Here's the second thing that he did. Here's the spiritual practices. Put these in play in your life. So first his emotions went up, then he articulated his need. I'm giving his practical handles. He articulated his need. One of the greatest ways that we deal with our emotions is to learn how to put words to what is going on inside of us. It's amazing how many people that I talk with when asked what is going on, they simply say, "I don't know." Can I just say this when it comes to the emotions that are inside of us? "I don't know," is not a safe answer. David would put words to his emotions. One of the reasons that we struggle with this is because we are afraid of the truth concerning our emotions. Watch what David said on the backside of that scripture we just, we just read. Free me, um, he, goes, he says this, listen to my cry. Watch what he says, I'm very weak. David is articulating what's going on in him. Rescue me from those who pursue me. Why? For they are too strong for me. Do You see what David's doing here? He's not mounting up in a posture of pride. He's not riding the pride horse like, I'm awesome and I got everything together and I'm so strong. No, 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 he says, listen, I'm actually really weak and one of the reasons that I'm struggling and one of the reasons that I would actually rather kill Saul than spare his life is because I'm feeling weak, not strong. It took more strength to spare his life than it would have to take it. So his emotions went up. He articulated his Need when we put actual words to our emotions and what is going on in us, we are then held responsible for them, and that's why we don't like to share them. Okay, now I'm gonna dig, scalpel moment. Here we go. You ready? Spiritual maturity is the ability to be able to assess and confess what is going on in us. That's spiritual maturity. Our emotions are not mysterious. We let my son, Justice, he says it a lot. He's like, Dad, Mom, I hate this moment right now. And we're like, good. You got it out. You articulated what's going on. Have you ever noticed that kids have a greater ability to articulate truth than adults do? Right? That's why we don't ask kids anything. How do these genes make me look? (laughs) Don't ask your child. See, our emotions are not mysterious as we make them out to be. We like to be mysterious. Is this helping anybody out today, right? Unmet expectations, selfishness, being overlooked, being overwhelmed, accolade, affirmation, inclusion, embarrassment, attraction, are all a part of the background to some of our most basic emotions, fear, joy, arousal, anger. The problem that we face is when we are unable to be truthful about the backdrop of our emotions. David was clear, he put words to them. He was articulate about them. I wanna encourage every single one of us right now in this moment, if we can learn to put verbal processing with our emotions, you will actually find health. It's a spiritual dynamic. Here's the truth I want us to grab with this. Without acknowledging the truth of our emotions, we will never find freedom from the behaviors that they've led us to. One more time, without acknowledging the truth of our emotions, we will never find freedom from the behaviors that they have led us to. Many times we don't know why we're doing something, and that's because we haven't assessed and put words to the thing that's driving the doing. Here's the other spiritual practice that he put into play he released his grievance. I want us to recognize the language here I pour out. That's what he says. I pour out. It's one thing to articulate it, but now we have to move from articulation to pouring out. I believe this is why David was able to withhold from acting on the impulse to take the life of Saul because he had poured out his grievance. In other words, he had emptied himself of the desire to act upon his emotion. He poured it out. Can I say this? If you have to refer to grievances to justify your actions, you have not yet poured it out. The reality is that we believe there is more power in the emotion than there is in freedom, so we hold on. I'm going to hold on to this emotion because it fuels me more than freedom fuels me. That's scary. And then here's the last spiritual practice that he put into place. Talking about the spiritual rhythms here, he acknowledged his brokenness. The acknowledgement of our brokenness is not a pity party, but rather an application of authenticity. When I'm open with who I am, I can take refuge in whose I am. Can I tell you something right now? There's lots of leaders doing things right now, lots of people doing things right now. I said this to our team this morning. And, and I'm not saying this to like garner authenticity points. It's just the truth of the matter. Right now, in this moment, I've been pastoring for 15 plus years. Right now, in this moment, can I just tell you we have no idea what we're doing? <laughs> so we're like, great, that sounds awesome. I want to follow you. I want us to understand something that it's the acknowledgement of where I end and God must begin. And the reason that for many of us we struggle with the emotions that we have is because we haven't yet come to the place where we will understand that I am broken at base levels. That I am not adequate at the end of the day. I do not have all the answers. We do not have all the answers. You do not have all the answers. No one has all the answers. Why? Because it's variable. Nobody knows. The Bible tells us nobody knows what tomorrow is going to bring Jesus said it like this, sufficient is tomorrow for all of its troubles. Thanks, Jesus. So I have to acknowledge my brokenness and that's actually what creates, now think about this, the spiritual patterns for personal breakthrough. So next time you're having an emotion, here's the practice, send it up. Articulate the need release the grievance, and acknowledge your brokenness. Which then leads to the very last thing, and how to deal with our emotions, and that's submit it all to the work of grace. Psalm four, verse five says this, trust in the Lord. Just trust in the Lord. And at the end of the day, the process of dealing with our emotions comes down to the truest form of submission, that is trust. You know, the work of grace in our lives is a beautiful thing. It tells us that even in my brokenness, God is still able. Even in my light and momentary affliction, God is still able as long as I trust in him. And for many of us, what we're doing is that we're, we're trusting our emotions over everything. We're trusting our thoughts over everything. We're trusting everything else but the one who says, no, 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 I'll carry you. I got you. So here's the question I wanna ask us all right now, what are we trusting in today? Who are we trusting in today? David in the cave, he trusted the, the men that were with him to a point, and then he said, wait a second, I can't trust you. You're telling me to give in to my emotion. So David knew in that moment, because of the spiritual rhythms inside of him, that I can't trust all of these things around me. I can't even trust myself. I have to trust in the one, at the end of the day, who does the greatest work of grace in my life. His name is Jesus. And so what I wanna do today is I wanna pray a prayer with all of us, but especially those of us today who might say to yourself, man, I need to know this, Jesus. See, Jesus came to free us from the captivity that we often put ourselves in through our emotions. I have found that when I give in to my emotions, no matter what they are, I have a tendency to find myself in the greatest degree of captivity I've ever been in. Come on somebody, doesn't matter what the emotion is. But today, as I trust in the Lord, I can walk into this moment and I can say, hey, just a heads up, we've never been here before. I have no idea what I'm doing. But cool, because I trust in the Lord, not Jason. Sure, Jason could willpower some stuff together, read a bunch of things, research a bunch of things, make a bunch of decisions. But how many of you would agree with me today that in this moment right now, trusting in the Lord is the best option that we have. Trusting in the Lord is the only option that we have because my emotions are telling me all kinds of things and people are telling me all kinds of things and media is telling me all kinds of things and the world's telling me all kinds of things. But Jesus is saying, peace be still that i'm right here in the midst of it trust me just submit it all of the work of grace